0: Welcome to True Crime Daily. Even though the stories you'll hear are short, they are very much intended for an adult audience. The stories you'll hear cover some very serious subject matter and they contain content that will be alarming for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. New Year's Day of 1991, a man walked his dog just out from St. Augustine, Florida. The man made a horrifying discovery led to a stack of logs and rocks by his dog in a deserted area. The man found what could only be human bones. Weeks earlier, on the 6th of November 1990, Amy Blount hit the town for a night out with her best friend and roommate at Flager College, Kelly Brockman. St. George's Tavern was the place to be for students in St. Augustine. And as the night kicked on, Callie headed home, leaving her friend to party on with her crush and fellow student, Sean Nolan. This was any other night for the 21-year-olds, and when Callie left, she had absolutely no reason to suspect any trouble would come. She would never even consider that this would be the last night she would see her best friend alive. It wasn't until the next morning when Callie realized Amy's bed hadn't been slept in that she began to worry this wasn't normal behavior for Amy. Morning continued and still no sign of her. She missed her classes and she hadn't communicated with any of her friends. Kelly clung to the idea that the romance had blossomed between Amy and Sean and she must still be with him. However, when Kelly finally tracked Sean down, there was no sign of Amy. Amy really liked Sean, but he showed very little concern about her missing. He told Callie the pair had walked out to the coastline the night before at around 2 a.m. And while waiting for a cab, they'd gotten into a fight. Sean said Amy walked off and the cab took him home alone. This is years before cell phones and social media would be commonplace. And feeling as if she was at a dead end, Callie reported Amy missing to the police. Police began searching hospitals for any potential Jane Doe's that could have matched Amy's description. They reached out to local cab drivers hoping to track down the one that took Sean home. But they too were quickly met with nothing but dead ends. With no evidence of foul play, police were unable to declare Amy a missing person officially. All they had right now to go off was a best friend's belief that something was wrong. The call no parent wants to receive was left to Kelly. Friends and family quickly came together to begin searching. Days went on. Search parties scoured the woods and covered the town in missing persons flyers. Still nothing. As the time went on, police were finally able to launch a formal investigation. Their first stop was Sean Nolan, last to see missing Amy and openly admitting to having fought with her. But police finally tracked down the driver who took him home that night and he offered up an alibi of sorts. He said he had collected sean from a bench by the beach drunk but very much alone back at square one police sought help from the community a ten thousand dollar reward was put up for any information on amy's disappearance a number of tips came in most importantly was the tip that came in from timothy gatchwell he saw the missing persons poster he recognized the missing amy he saw her the night she disappeared He came in, he spoke with police. He'd seen her approached by a man in an older Camaro or Firebird. Amy spoke with the occupants of the car for a moment before getting in and leaving with them. Police finally had a lead. But the weeks continued to roll on. Christmas came and went, and still nothing. Nothing until that man found those bones while out walking his dog on New Year's Day. He called police immediately. They discovered a body wrapped in a floral bedsheet and buried in a shallow grave. An official autopsy confirmed it was Amy. She'd been stabbed five times. She had bruises down the side of her body, her head and her shoulders. She'd clearly fought her attacker. Given the location of the body, police felt strongly a local had to have done this. This was too secluded to have just happened upon randomly. Police approached the property owner, and he was nothing but cooperative. They quickly ruled him out as a potential suspect. In passing, though, he mentioned to police that he was having trouble with one of his two tenants. The troubled tenant was the helpful witness, Timothy Gatchwell. It wasn't help that Gatchwell was offering to the police, but instead, it was a misleading tip with the hopes of sending police on a wild goose chase looking for the older firebird or the chimera. Police hurried to search the handyman Gatchwell's house. He made it easy for them. Blood, hair and a matching floral bedsheet was found at his house. All the evidence they needed, along with one other thing. There was a piece of paper with a phone number and the name Toby written on it. Police made contact with Toby and he agreed to come in. Toby told the story of the night that Amy went missing. Toby and Gatchwell had been out that night and between bars they spotted Amy walking alone. Gatchwell convinced Amy to join the two back at his place so the party could continue on. Gatchwell began coming on to Amy aggressively. Toby recalled she was clearly uninterested but Gatchwell persisted. The night went on and Toby left. Weeks went before he realized the missing person's flyers across town was in fact the girl that he and Gatchwell had picked up that night. Forcing a confrontation between Toby and Gatchwell, Gatchwell told the same story he'd told police. He sent her on her way, and he saw her approach the older Camaro and Firebird. The confrontation between friends prompted Gatchwell to call in his tip for the police. With the evidence and Toby's story, police had enough for an arrest. Back at the station, Gatchwell continued to tell the same story, but he was undone quickly when he claimed he'd taken Amy back into town before watching her leave in the Camaro or the Firebird. The only problem with that story was that Gatchwell's truck had three flat tires. He finally confessed, in a way. He claimed a fight broke out between him and Amy, and then he blacked out, and when he came to, Amy was on the floor, dead, while he had a knife in his hand. He was charged with first-degree murder. The trial took place in July of 91. He pled guilty to avoid the risk of the death penalty. He's currently serving a life sentence without the possibility of parole.